Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit organizations in many different areas, including board excellence, strategy, and organizational development. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am thrilled to be joined by a friend of mine, uh, Grace Ann Alfiero. Uh, Grace is the Vice President of Development for Evergreen Life Services, and I'll give her a chance in a minute to tell you a little bit about Evergreen. She is also the President and CEO of her own consulting firm, Arts in Action Consulting. Grace, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Greg. So tell us a little bit about Evergreen and your work with Evergreen Life Services. I know that's an organization that's near and dear to my heart. I've done some work with, with you and them as well, but tell us a little bit about what Evergreen does. So Evergreen was started 60 years ago as a way to serve um, young adults with developmental disabilities who wanted to attend a summer camp, much like their peers were able to attend a summer camp. And um, it was a pretty revolutionary idea at the time because most people with developmental disabilities um, ended up going um, uh, into a residency scenario in, a, in an institution, a state institution or a private institution. And so to serve people with a developmental or intellectual disability um, in the community, um, more like peers were being served was sort of this revolutionary idea. So Evergreen grew out of that one idea as a Presbyterian ministry and is now um, a large uh, nonprofit organization that um, serves people in eight states. We serve about 1,100 people with developmental disabilities. We have about 2,400 employees. Um, and we're mostly in the South, um, but um, you know, serving as a nationwide organization and, and with um, plans to, to grow and continue to be um, progressive pioneers in the industry of serving people with disabilities. And tell us a little bit about your role with Evergreen. So I am the Vice President of Development. Mm -hmm. which means that um, I work with a great team of professionals to raise funds for the organization. We mostly get our income from serving people and getting reimbursements from Medicaid. And so my job is to seek out individual donors and grant opportunities and um, collaborations and partnerships with the community so that we can continue to serve people with disabilities with the best quality care that's available. And on the flip side, you are obviously an extremely busy person because in, in addition to being um, the Vice President of Development with Evergreen, you operate your own consulting company, Arts in Action Consulting. What is, what's the focus of your consulting practice? I do. So um, in 1995, I started a nonprofit. I'm, I'm the founder of Creative Clay Cultural Arts Center, which is a cultural arts center that was specifically designed to serve the community and persons with developmental disabilities. And it still operates today um, in St. Petersburg, Florida. So I ran that organization for about 16 years um, and then uh, resigned to become the president and CEO of Arts in Action. And through Arts in Action, I work as a grant writer, um, as, a, as a, um, a consultant who works with strategic visioning and strategic planning. Um, I focus a lot on communication, so I do um, some social media management for organizations, um, and I typically work with organizations who are emerging. So 
Um, they started out as grassroots. They've they've gotten some momentum, and now they need to get to the next level. Um, and so I typically work with founders, um, which is something I know, and and I know how to also do some succession planning because I did that myself. And so that's primarily what I do. I work with all kinds of nonprofits, everything from food pantries to free clinics um, to fatherhood programs um, to a new organization that I just signed a contract with on Friday called We Make, and it's a very progressive idea for workforce and employment um, for persons with autism. So um, just really excited to, to, to work with organizations that want to make a big change in their communities. And I think the, that dovetails really nicely with the topic of today's podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a term that gets used and thrown around an awful lot in nonprofit leadership, and that term is collaboration. Um, so the focus of today, we're going to be talking about tips and strategies for promoting collaboration within your organization, whether that be in-person collaboration, whether that be working with remote teams, uh, and Grace Ann is, a, is an expert there. Um, Tell us at the outset, how are we defining collaboration? Because it's obviously a wide spectrum uh, it, of interpretation. It is. How I define it, Greg, is um, it, it's really the work that you do with yourself and at least one other professional, um, whether that professional be a volunteer or a paid employee, whether they be within your organization or within another agency or group. Um, it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's, a, it's something that's happening with you and at least one other person. And when I do team grant, grant writing, I'm, I'm typically working with at least three or four, maybe even more individuals, everything from developing, you know, the narrative to the budgets. And, you know, so you're pulling in all different kinds of professionals and they're, and they're leaning in and giving their, you know, expert um, opinion on whatever it is that you're seeking funding for. And I don't think we need to sell anyone on the, the benefits of collaboration or the need for collaboration in the nonprofit space. We see it all the time and certainly the work of nonprofits lends itself to collaboration. Um, when you're approaching a new collaboration, whether that be with a new client or whether that be internally with a, with a team that you're working with, what are some of the initial thoughts and initial questions that, that you should have and you, sh you should be thinking through? Well, you know, I think that um, it's really important to understand the work style of the people that you're working with and to and to really, I think one of the first things that I do when I start a new project, especially with people who I don't know, is to just to have a, a chance to um, share a meal or share a cup of coffee with everyone um, and, and, and see if we can sort of like just do some, some different introductions and brainstorming on some ideas ideas um, that, that are going to contribute to the, the product or, or the project that we're going to do together to sort of get to know each other. But very soon on, I think um, getting everyone's buy-in that you have to put some rules, some safety rules together um, so that uh, everybody understands what the parameters are and what the boundaries are and, and building a safe space for people to share their ideas, I think is the most important foundational step to being successful within a collaboration. And, and I've learned the hard way that if you don't do that, you'll, you'll regret it. <laughs> when, you're, when you're trying to build that type of safe space, um, what are some of the considerations that you have? What are, some of the, what are some of the topics that you wanna be sure you address with your teammates before you take those initial steps to move forward? 
So I think the most important thing to do is to, is to build the camaraderie and the idea that when everyone's sharing their concepts or um, their pie in the sky visions and dreams, um, that, that those are just, that, that you're just building a list and you're just sort of building a framework of what something can, ha can, can happen um, for the future. So, um, and that, that list that you're building, that brainstorm list, um, that, that should never be used against any of the, um, the people that are contributing to it because that is how you totally shut down a safe space is by using ideas before they get vetted. You know, um, I think that, and you know this within strategic planning and some of the work that we've done together, you have to give people a chance to dream and to say that crazy, wacky idea um, and just put it out there and say, what if, you know, a, a million times, what if, um, and then go back to it and vet it and see, is this, is there any part of this idea that's valuable that we can take to the next level um, and, and, and do some real, you know, evaluation on that together. Um, and, and the second that that you take that sacred work that's being done together and, and share it with someone else who is not part of the collaboration group, that's sort of um, totally violating um, that safe space. And so that's something that I really, really encourage is that you know, it's okay to dream, it's okay to talk about those pie in the sky ideas, and then we'll get to what's practical after that. But, um, you know, I don't know if you know um, Julia Cameron's um, The Artist's Way, um, which is a really interesting way of like unblocking your creativity. It's sort of like going through those steps together. Um, let's just get down everything in our subconscious, any, any kind of ideas that have been percolating out there, let's just get them down on paper and then let's go back and see what's practical and what isn't or what we can put in the parking lot for another day um, but all of those notes are so so valuable and I keep I, I don't know if I showed you when we were together a couple of weeks ago but I have a notebook um, almost for every month of, of the year that has my notes of, of different and I actually have it right here <laughs> with me um, that that I will write down for any any meeting that I have with anybody and it's and it has all of the notes from that month so that I can go back to it you know and 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 talk about it and and that's that's how I can preserve some of those ideas that might not have been um, practical at the moment when we were collaborating but maybe five months from now the teams together I'll say how about that idea that we had way back you know over the summer can we revisit that now that we were able to accomplish a B and C is it time to look at this really good idea that we may you know we may be able to accomplish now and I think that so much of what I heard from you just there, right there, is extremely valuable, um, and and it's it's not counterintuitive. I mean, it makes sense, but to be able to gain clarity at the outset about what is the goal of the collaboration, um, and then to really talk intentionally among the participants about what are our ground rules. So, what can we? Uh, what are our expectations of each other? Right. What norms and rules can we agree to be bound by as a team? 
um, and then to be able to to promote that level of creativity. So I think that that's just a great framework for collaboration. You did mention though that you had a story of uh, where that might not have been the case or that might not have worked so well. And as everybody who listens to the podcast knows, I'm a big proponent of sharing not only the successful stories, but also stories in which something may have gone awry or something may have um, happened that was that was different than what was planned. So I, I'm interested if you could share that story with us. Sure, yeah. And I, you know, I, I write a blog post, so I've written about the, these sorts of experiences. Um, and I also think that um, sometimes our best lessons come from when we learn what not to do in the future. <laughs> this is one of those stories. So um, last year, around this time, I was working um, with an international nonprofit that was based out of France. And um, I had one other team member collaborator that was um, based out of um, the U.S. and then everybody else was based out of Europe. And most of the people were based out of France. And so we had the, a call where we um, were just brainstorming some different ideas. And um, we, I created a list because I tend to be the scribe of, of any group. I don't know why that is. I guess it's because I'm the one who's always taking the notes. I think they so, see your notebook and they, <laughs> that you mentioned earlier and that lends itself to. Yeah, and they're like, oh, okay, I can take a vacation from this meeting. <laughs> Grace is gonna, you know, take the notes. So, so I took notes and then I typed up those notes and sent them to the team. Um, and then the team ended up using some of the members of the team ended up using that information in meetings with their board members before we even got a chance to um, vet any of the ideas. I mean, some of the ideas were like really out there and, um, you know, way progressive and probably not something that the organization would do for a couple of years. But, um, and so I really love the brainstorming process. I think it's where um, some really wonderful meeting of the minds can happen. Um, and so after um, my brainstorming session was used against me, I realized, oh my gosh, we've got to create um, a crosswalk for co collaboration where we have a safe space within this group because we're not going to be able to accomplish anything together if nobody feels safe in the future to share any ideas. And so that's sort of where I really started to investigate what are all of the different components of collaboration. And like you said, um, you know, it's really, really important that um, you figure out what the work styles are of the people that you're working with and you ask them to define their work style um, and, and then really listen. Um, and I think listening is probably one of the most important things that we can do, um, you know, when we're working in a collaboration is really listen and then repeat back in a different way what we think we heard to make sure that we've got that clarity. Um, but to really figure out what our work styles are and then also as the process is going along, make sure you check in with that work style and, and see if that's really, if the person defined their work style accurately to you or if maybe, you know, they might be working from a different um, point of view. Um, and I, I have some work styles that I've defined, but I'm sure it's not the only way of looking at um, different work styles. But there's four that I look at. Um, I, I say that there's, there's people who are doers, there's people that are leaders, um, there's people that are lovers <laughs> and peacemakers, and then there are people that are learners. Um, and I sort of feel like with the different collaborations that I've done in my 25 year plus history with the nonprofit sector is that most people fall into one of those four 
categories. There's a fifth category that I learned when I was working with um, the international team, and those are the sabotagers. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, hopefully. They um, exist in boardrooms and staff rooms as well sometimes, as, as I've learned in some of my work with organizations. Exactly. Um, and so to try and get um, everyone to figure out which one of those work styles they identify with. And if they don't, like which one would they identify with if they were to, to, to come up with their own, um, you know, sort of classification. And to really try and channel the energy and the goodness from each of the people that you're working with into one of those categories so that they don't end up being a sabotager. I mean, if they come to the collaboration, they're already a sabotager. There's not much you can do, right. you know, but if, if, if you can get that process in hand ahead of time and everyone buys in, then they have ownership and hopefully, you know, you usurp any kind of sabotaging or passive aggressive behavior that's going to happen within the collaboration. So two of the things I heard from you there that I think are so important when we talk about collaboration are number one about trust. And I think that that comes out powerfully in that story that you shared is that for any collaboration to be successful, you know, whether it's brainstorming or something else, there has to be a level of trust that's respected and created between the group. Um, and then the second is I really like that framework that you shared of the four different um, I, I, uh, personality styles or leadership styles. Okay, sure, um, sure. Right. Um, because I think that that's strength based. It's, you know, it's, it's meeting people where they are from a, uh, where they're most comfortable. And not that, not to say that someone has to always be a learner, has to always be a leader, a doer, but understanding that upfront at the outset of collaboration can really let someone know where they have to maybe flex their style a little bit or where they're going to need to push a little bit harder into areas that may be more uncomfortable or more unnatural for them or where they have a teammate that might be able to pick up the ball. Agreed. And I also think, Greg, um, one important consideration for anyone that has to collaborate is that when you're collaborating in person and you're sitting across the, per you know, from the other person that you're working with um, in a physical space, like a conference room or an office, that you may fall into a different role than you would if you are uh, collaborating, you know, via conference call or or a phone um, call. So, um, and, and, you know, the idea of working um, with a team virtually, um, which is happening more and more, you know, as we get, as our culture gets more and more tech savvy, um, that's what we call social distance. And so we don't, when, when we're working virtually, we don't have the water cooler or the conference room to sort of build relationships that are very authentic because we're really, we're able to tell how a person is reacting to what we're saying and to our body language and, and the intonation sometimes in their, um, in, in their responses. Uh, some of that gets lost when, when you're um, working virtually. And so building safe spaces through social distance um, is, that's just one added challenge when you're working virtually, but it's really, really important. So as a as a sector, I think nonprofits are becoming more global. Um, are become you know the importance of collaboration is not only face to face in the office, but we're seeing a lot more virtual um, collaboration, whether it be people working from home, working remotely, or organizations that have operations in a number of different states or countries. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but what are some of the additional 
considerations um, or steps that you recommend for groups that are working virtually or trying to build a collaborative environment virtually? Well, um, the first step I already said, listening is really important. Um, we've, especially um, in America, we really need to hone our, our, um, our skills on listening. And if we're working internationally, um, we're working with, um, with folks that, you know, may or may not have English as their first language. And so it's really, really important to give people the space to, to talk, to speak up, to explain themselves. Um, and then, you know, listening is just not, um, you know, being quiet. Listening is also um, interpreting what the person has said um, and then feeding that back um, and making sure that there's clarity and connection on whatever um, the subject matter is so that you can move on together in a parallel fashion. And so I think that's the most important thing, you know, um, and then figuring out where your connection points are. So um, there, um, there's, there's things that we have in common with every human being that's walking the planet and, 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 and developing your skills to figure out where your similarities are. Um, maybe it's that you both have kids that are in high school, or maybe it's that, um, you know, you both like walking and taking hikes or, um, you know, maybe music is, is your connector, but figure out somehow, um, you know, some connection points so that you've got something other than the business at hand to talk about, um, to try and build some, some different, you know, relationship feelers with that person. My big takeaway listening, listening to you talk about the steps necessary for effective collaboration, whether you're live with someone or, or remote. Um, my big takeaway is that collaboration takes time, thoughtfulness, and intentionality. And I think sometimes it, the pace of our work, the pace of our organizations in the nonprofit space, um, we, we tend to want to jump straight to goals and straight to objectives and straight to tactics. Um, but I, what I'm hearing from you is that you can be far more effective if at the outset you take the time to thoughtfully plan the collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, see if the team is willing to like develop some guidelines and, and, and rules together. You know, some teams are okay with that. Some teams aren't, but if they are okay with it, then you create that sort of rule book together. And that way, if anybody goes astray, um, you know, during the process, you can go back to, Hey, didn't we have this as our rule book? Let's talk about this. Let's, you know, work it out. So you have some kind of, you know, of, of a method to, to go back to that everyone agreed on. And then, um, and I've, I haven't done this very often, but I think it's a good step and it's definitely a, you know, a CYA practice <laughs> that would be to, you know, to, to create a collective agreement together where everybody signs the agreement. And then there's much more buy-in and ownership, you know, once you're putting the pen on a piece of paper to, to an idea that, have, that has been crafted together. Um, so th those are the sort of like um, things that, that I always suggest. But I think really just having space and time with the people and being able to really, you know, get to know them, understand their you know, find out where their humor level is. Are, are, are they sarcastic? Um, do they like, do they like, you know, different kinds of quirky kind of wacky jokes? Like 
figure out where they are and then, and then, you know, try to connect with them on that level. I think it's really, really important. And Grace, as we wrap up some of the, um, a lot of the steps and things that we've talked about of the course of this podcast um, are part of a framework that you have that you call crosswalks for collaboration. And in addition to Grace's work um, at Evergreen and, and her work in owning her consulting company, she's also an author. So talk, talk to us a little bit about um, crosswalks for collaboration and an upcoming book that'll be coming out soon. Sure. So um, I'm really happy um, to have been asked to work um, with a group of mentors and professional coaches who put together um, a book called Activate Your Life. It's actually the second volume of Activate Your Life, and it comes out on December 2nd. And um, my chapter, um, A Crosswalk for Collaboration, is one of the chapters in the book. It'll be available on Amazon.com um, as, as um, a print um, hard, not, uh, I don't know if it's a hard, I think it's a soft cover um, that you can order um, in the actual book or you can, you can get the digital version as well. So I'm really excited about being part of that. Um, that group. It's a, it's a wonderful um, collaboration of writers who write on all different subjects that have to do with professional coaching and, um, and really figuring out, you know, ways to, to get to the best that you can be in your professional life. And Grace, for, you mentioned that the book will be available on Amazon in early December. Um, for folks who want to get more information about your about your work um, and about promoting collaboration within their organization, within their teams. What's the best way for folks to get it, get in touch with you? Uh, the, yeah, they can, um, they can send me an email at my name, gracealfiro at gmail.com. So it's grace, um, alfiero, A-L-F-I-E-R-O um, at gmail.com. And I'm, I'm happy to take orders for the book through my email. And then also if you have any, um, you know, um, burgeoning or challenging issues that you want to discuss. I'm, I'm happy to, to talk that over with you as well. Well, Grace, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us on the podcast today. I really enjoyed the conversation around collaboration. It certainly gave me a lot to think about, um, particularly in the work that I do with, with organizations around strategy and, and um, bringing board members along with strategy as well. Great, great. Well, thanks, Greg, for having me. It's been great. It has been a, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Again, this is Greg Nielsen of Nielsen Training and Consulting. Um, again, always invite anyone who's listening to reach out directly to me. I can be reached by email at gregory at nielsenconsults.com, or you can find me on my website at www.nielsenconsults.com. Thank you very much, Grace. Thank you, Greg. Take care.